Welcome to the Shoulda Backed It podcast, our first for 2021. A blistering sprint from Artorias saw Sam Friedman pick up his first Group 1 in the $1.5 million Blue Diamond. In the other Group 1s, Boom Mayor Probabil went back-to-back at Caulfield, holding out fellow All-Star Mile hopeful Arcadia Queen in the Futurity. And in the Oakley Plate, it was a dead heat between Portland Sky and another WA Raider, Celebrity Queen. Despite receiving much better offers, this season I'm once again joined by Herald Sun's number one tipster and form analyst, Chris Venuccio. How'd you enjoy Blue Diamond Day, Big V? Hello, Phil. Good to see you again. It's a, a delayed start for us this year, but you know it was great to be out on track on Saturday for the Blue Diamond, and it was great conditions out there, perfect weather. And I was uh, when overcast conditions. You know, when the sun came out very briefly, it was it was really burning. But you know, thankfully it was overcast most of the day. But it was disappointing that the the track was a disadvantage on the fence, so it made it hard for leaders and horses drawn on the inside. So I think that was just the one disappointment from the day. It was just how the track played. It was it was pretty poor to be blunt, because otherwise it was a, a great day to be out. Well, well, mate, it was a great day to be out, and I, I think I caught a little bit more sun than you did because I'm looking like a tomato today, and it was feeling a bit worse for weather after a big day out there at Caulfield. Great day put on by the club, my mind you. My other disappointment of the day, I wasn't too concerned about the track being off and the inside, was uh, you not hanging around and watching the Blue Diamond, mate. You had to leave just as the uh, Group 1s were getting going. Yeah, I had somewhere to be at 5 o'clock, so I had to leave right on 4 and time I run home to perfection so yeah it's a shame I missed the main race of the day and there was a boil over in the end and yeah disappointing run by the favourite Entha yeah maybe she's not ready for 1200 yet and she also over raced so yeah it was a the group ones were great viewing particularly the Oakley Plate so yeah disappointed I had to bail out earlier but you guys had a, went across the road to, what was it, the Zagamis? Had a nice little meal at Zagamis, not that we're trying to... Uh, yeah, shame not... I missed out on that and <laughs> missed out on backing the, the first at Toowoomba. Uh, maybe next time. Yeah, well, maybe next time, mate. And, yeah, it's interesting bringing up Entar. I think, obviously, ended up starting about $2.40 out of, after drifting to $3 sort of earlier in the day. And, yeah, watching it live, you really got a sense that they just thought, we've got the best horse here, we're going to bowl out in front and we're going to put away this field, but didn't quite see out the 1,200 at that pace. It, obviously, if it had settled a bit more, it may have, but, yeah, it was a, a nice run by Astorius, and I, I guess there were a couple other horses in behind it too, like Ingratiating and, and Animo that really put in top performances. But, yeah, what did you make of Entar? I know that you were a big spruik on the horse leading up to the Blue Diamond and even... Uh, a couple of hours before, mate, we're still arming and ahhing about whether you wanted to back it. It obviously had its uh, little issue during the week or non-issue, who knows. But, yeah, I didn't see anything in the stewards' report, so it sounds like it just uh, didn't quite get the job done. Yeah, it's disappointing when a short-price favourite and a screw course and a well-backed horse like Entha doesn't run up to expectations and there's nothing in the stewards' report. I think there's got to be some, some mention of it, you know, whether the bet goes over it again because... It was a lot. There was, you know, it's a big talking point that she pulled up lame during the week in the vets inspections with two other horses, and those two horses have been scratched from the race, and and she's been declared fit on the Friday to run on the Saturday, and she doesn't perform 
to expectation. So disappointing that there was nothing in the stewards' report. You know, there might not have been anything wrong, but I think there should be a mention of that in the stewards' report. In the end, I got sucked in with the 280 that was on offer in the morning. And I think in these circumstances, whenever a horse has a vet check leading up to the to a race, I've got to pull out because in, in all instances, the, these horses don't perform even when they are declared fit to race. And you know, I think when a horse is lame in the lead up, I think I've got to treat it as a scratching now because you see it time and time again, they don't perform. Yeah, particularly in these really high-intensity group ones. I mean, you know, they're going to be put at 100% effort and they just need to be 100%. So even if they're half a percent off, 1% off, it can be the difference between winning a race and finishing a couple of lengths behind as Entar did. And I think the thing that concerned me more than anything was that, you know, this is a two-year-old, you know, they're juvenile still and if they have got any issues and it's always a concern leading up to it. I was a little bit surprised that really... The, the punters came for it so hard at the end. I thought it might drift a little bit further towards uh, the start, but I guess you know you have to trust the uh, connections and the trainer there just that they that they had it right. But uh, disappointingly, ran ran sixth. It wasn't a, a hugely uh, disappointing effort, I suppose. But I guess on the spruik side of it, we um, we probably expected a little bit more there, Big V. But I, I'm guessing you don't think we saw the uh, Golden Slipper winner in that race. No, I don't think so. I don't think this is the the right race. For the Golden Slipper, I think the horses in Sydney at the moment, like Stay Inside and Profiteer, they're probably the leading contenders for the Slipper at the moment. So if any of these horses go up to Sydney, I'd be against them. The exception might be Artorias if it goes up to a 1,400, 1,600-metre race up there. I think he'll be better over more ground than the, two, than the 1,200. So it was a great effort. By the, by the stable to go back from 13 to 1,200 and win the race. But I don't think this will be strong form for the slipper. Yeah, I have to tend to agree with you there, mate. But probably the best race of the day, and I know we had a bit of a chat about this at the time, was uh, the Futurity in my book. I think we probably saw a bit of a preview of the uh, the closing stages of the All-Star Mile with Probabil and Arcadia Queen going uh, neck, neck and neck towards the end there with Probabil probably with its extra start, just having the edge over Arcadia Queen, but I don't think that's a lay-down Mazaire in terms of the All-Star Mile. I could easily see that result switching uh, in that particular race. Well, this is my first should have backed it for the year, Probabil. I was 50-50 with Probabil and Behemoth, and I went with Behemoth because I, I was thinking All-Star Mile. I thought Probabil, drawing wide, should be ridden conservatively. You know, her main target would be the All-Star Mile, and so I, I went to Behemoth, and I think it's Probabil. She, although she's drawn wide, she's jumped out of the barriers quite well, and they've been proactive on the horse. I mean, in both races, Damien Lane has had to drift back a little bit because he was at risk of being caught three wide. So if she draws well in the All-Star Mile and jumps well, you know, she'll be on the speed. You know, whereas Arcadia Queen, you know, she's she's a back marker. She'll get back. So. I think probably we might have that tactical advantage. And, you know, I'm not going to jump off her. I think she's a big chance for the All-Star Mile. But I think with both those horses, you're getting a good price for both of them, $4 each. I can't see them not running out of, not finishing outside the top three. 
Yeah, and I think Arcadia Queen, you know, that was first up. Happy to um, happy to stay with her in the All-Star Mile. I think I actually was on both of those horses, as you know, and it was a pretty easy watch for me because I was uh, in it to win about the same amount no matter who won Probabil and Arcadia Queen yesterday. But I don't think getting far back and needing to come out wide is a big issue at Mooney Valley for the All-Star Mile. So... I think both are pretty well placed uh, in that particular race. Obviously, we still haven't seen the barrier draw and, you know, final field hasn't been set. But I think, it, yeah, really they really stamped their authority and dominance over a few of the others yesterday. Now, Big V, I know you had it as you should have backed it, but probably it just shouldn't be, should it, mate? I'm always telling you to get on it. This is this is about the third race in a row that I'm, I've been spreaking you, Probabil. It's like you just don't like the horse. Yeah, it's, it has never been a horse of mine and... I think I've I've been turned off by the way she trials, but she's not she's not a she's not a trialer. She puts her effort on race day, and, and that's always put me off first up. And then and then you sort of get unsure about her second up. So yeah, I've just she hasn't been one of my horses, and and I reckon now I've just got to back her in the All Star Mile and you know just go for it. Yeah, we've had a big chat in. We've had a big chat in the past about trials, and I think we've learned over the last few weeks. You just have to look at horses like Probabil, September Run. You know, everyone was potting them before their start, their starts, and they've they've both come out and performed really well. So, I think as we've discussed in the past, trials with a grain of salt in a lot of cases. But what I would, did want to get your opinion on with the three-year-olds, Crosshaven and Ole Kirk. I know you've been a fan of both horses, but uh, I think they filled the second last and last positions in this race. Yeah, I've been a fan of Ollie Kirk also, um, not so much a crossover, but both horses were disappointing. Ollie Kirk, I, I heard on TV that you know, the stable was saying that being on the inside close to the rail, the, the surface was shifting a little bit, and I suppose that's the disappointing when you overwater the tracks. I know there's a big issue about firm tracks you know, not being good for horses' welfare, I think having shifting surfaces is also dangerous for horse and jockey as well. But that's moving off track. But back with Ollie Kirk, I think his career at the moment is at the crossroads, which is disappointing because you know what's going to happen now. He'll go off the stud. And, you know, I just think it just highlights a, a flaw in our, in our breeding system where three-year-olds and two-year-olds can just win group ones at two- and three-year-old level. And they go off to start for big money. I think you've got to win weight for age races against open opposition to command that sort of money. But that's, again, another argument. I think they're both disappointing. And, yeah, I don't know where they go to now. I doubt they'll run in the Australian guineas, but if they do, I'll be willing to take them on. I think that's just called market dynamics, Big V, so not much we can do about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you're probably right about those. Once they've had their big wins, there's probably not much value if they're not going to be winning to, to keep them racing. But I'm not giving up completely on Ole Kirk. I think it's still a, a pretty sound horse, and hopefully we will see it again. Now, Big V, the other big feature of the day, the Oakley Plate. Now, I don't reckon I've ever picked the winner of the Oakley Plate, and yesterday was no different with... Uh, Portland Sky and Celebrity Queen managing to dead heat, which I think is the first time that's happened in about 20 years in Australian Group 1, so um, pretty amazing. I must say live, it did look like Celebrity Queen had got it, but perhaps my eyes aren't as good as they used to be, and it was, in fact, a dead heat when the, uh, the camera came out. But, yeah, what did you make of that? Who were you on, and is there any horses we should be following out of it? Well, it's a hard race to, I reckon, to, to look at what's to follow, because it's, again... 
the Oakley place can be very messy. So you see some yeah, good performances like Brooklyn Hustle, you know, Celebrity Queen. You know, you know, Brooklyn Dirty Work. Yeah, as well. And you look at Brooklyn Hustle, you know, if they go to a new market, will they be good enough to beat the September run? So it's it's a hard race that you've got to watch a few times to dissect. I thought Portland Sky had it at the 100. The Dirty Work, as you mentioned, was a good run. Inside Barrier. I think Celebrity Queen and Dirty Work, they were closer to the rail and they had to shift out, but they're still, I reckon, on the inferior ground and and they've run really well. Yeah, it's just a hard race to to follow and from a betting perspective because it was hard to lead like it was with Anders. So I just and ancestry as well. So yeah, a lot. I think a lot of these horses, I probably want to see them again just to confirm, you know, if they're going as well as they are. Yeah, and I think if looking at the race, Portland Sky was one of the only horses in it that actually raced on pace and was able to, you know, stick and stick out and actually, you know. Uh, challenge at the finish and obviously drew with celebrity queen but a couple others that were well spruiked and the favorites of the race anders and ancestry both got run off their legs in the end and a, a lot different sort of race shape that we saw last year when pippi just flew and you know the inside was just the place to be that day yeah it was just a complete different dynamic to to last year just as we mentioned just making it tough for leaders so i thought the the effort of Dirty Work and Celebrity Queen, although it did suit back markers, they were back in the field closer to the rail. So I think they were great performances. So it'll be interesting to see where a horse like Dirty Work goes to next. I mean, if it takes on Group 1 company, like in the new market, probably tough to win. But you know, maybe a race like the Galaxy maybe might be a good race for him. Yeah, look, the new market's a tough one. It does look like September run's got that one to lose. But we'll, we'll see, but we'll have a chat about that as we get closer to the event in a couple of weeks' time. Look, in terms of horses that I felt like I should have backed, there weren't too many that I was disappointed with yesterday, but one that I really felt like I should have backed was uh, Rich Hips. I just keep missing it. It was a race four there at, at Flemington, the mannerism. And, look, it was absolutely crunched on the day. I think I looked saw it about $5.50 with about 15 minutes to go. I think it ended up starting about $3.90, $4. So the, the big professionals really came for it at the end. And Perfect Jewel, which had been, a, you know, a, a even money uh, earlier in the day, ended up starting about $3.60 as favourite. But, gee, the punters got it right. Rich Hips, good performance. And, yeah, it just keeps going through the grades, this horse. And I can, I can see it, you know, continuing to do that. Yeah, it's... Uh... Punters were spot on there, five fifty into four twenty, and got the money. Whereas Perfect Jewel just blew out, just kept on blowing out until the barriers opened two forty out to three sixty. I don't know. I'm surprised by the drift. I don't know if it was getting out to a price that it should have opened up at when acceptances were out, but just kept on blowing. I don't know whether it's because punters had had her back in the field. From a wide barrier, but she she was surprisingly on speed, and I think she might be a horse to follow in a suitable race. But I thought she was a you know it was a great effort by her. How do you handle that on the day, Big V? So you you've got a horse that you're keen on, Perfect Jewel, and you know you see it there for two dollars. You're not on it yet, and you're seeing it drift, and it's now three dollars fifty. As a punter, what do you do in those situations? Do you just stick with your, I guess, view that it's going to win, or your opinion, or do you, do you really take notice of those big betting drifts that do happen close to race time? 
I was a bit just like that. If I hadn't have a bet yet, I'd probably stay out. It'd be, I'd be thinking to myself, you know, something's off here, and I'd just stay out. Whereas if you had already backed the horse, you haven't know, got much choice then, do you? Three sixty, <laughs> and it blows out to four twenty. You just, you just have to take your medicine. But you know, horses drift and they still win. It's just sometimes it's depends on how big the drift is and whether it, it raises alarms, sort of such as Perfect Jewel, because that was a significant drift. When you're going out at least more than a point from the $2 mark, it is, it is of concern. Well, another horse that the punters got right uh, was in the last there in the Peter Young with Parody uh, starting about 6 or $7, I think I saw it earlier in the day, and ended up being... Fate, shared, fate, shared favourite with Holmesman there and gee it was a pretty dominant performance in the end just sat there second in the run and just cruised past um, with a nice little run in behind by shared ambition but were you watching the race at that point Big V or you're you off doing something else? No I did watch the race and yeah, Parody just controlled the tempo and from barrier one John Allen was you know already off the fence before the first 200 metres of the race so that just shows you know, how much the jockeys just wanted to get off that rail all day. You know, so slow tempo race. So the first eight over the line are finished within two lengths of each other, but that's more to do with the tempo of the race. And I thought Shared Ambition ran really well, you know, considering I think he's ready for the Australia Cup now with a quicker tempo. And it just allowed, you know, horses like, you know, Chapada and Steel Prince to, you know, to finish... You know, closer than expected, and I thought Angel of Truth. You know, that was a, a top run by her as well. Last in the run wasn't suited by the race tempo, and she's finished quite strongly to only finish. You know, just over a length behind Parity. So the, the the close margins with the top eight have to do with the tempo of the race. The Australia Cup, you think, will be a different story, and you know, it's it's gonna. I think this could be a good form race. But it's just depending which horse you want to jump on next start because it all depends on tempo and race shapes and getting on the right horse for the right circumstances. Now, I don't want to pot this horse because it does come pop up and win some really good races, uh, you know, probably once or twice a prep. But, gee, I reckon Nonconformist is one of the most overhyped horses going around. You know, it flies home first up and everyone's just jumping on it all over it for this particular race. Now, I know it's only been beaten a length and... It'll probably come out and win next start, but I was happy to, to to lay it yesterday in terms of how I was betting. I didn't think it was going to be a chief contender, but what do you reckon of Nonconformist? Do you think it's the kind of horse that'll probably win next start, but just gets over bet, in my opinion? Yeah, it could. And I, I got sucked into Nonconformist last prep. I think that was at Caulfield when it was back, in, I think it was favourite, and it got beat by got well beat and then it won next start won, won the, the Kunji so yeah it does suck in the punters and it's it's run it's run it's run it's had a good prep at the moment we don't know what level he can get to but yeah I think I, I'm gonna I might look away from non-conformists in the Australia Cup as I've stated before I, I think I'm, I'm leaning towards shared ambition I don't I don't know yet with non-conformists whether we've seen if he can handle a strong tempo yet now, if you do get a, a strong tempo in the Australia Cup, will that suit him or will that suit a horse like Shared Ambition a lot more? 
Yeah, I just think it's a risk in Australia. We've talked about that before too, backing uh, these sort of get-back horses, the ones that, you know, you know, there's a couple that you can trust, your Arcadia Queens of the world, but I think getting yourself back, you just put yourself in a position to get in trouble. So I'm, I'm happy to steer clear of it. You know, it'll win and prove me wrong, but... Uh, yeah, again, I just thought it was just a little bit overhyped again yesterday, nonconformist. But a couple horses up in Sydney that weren't overhyped, Big V, was one of my best bets of the day, and I was very see- pleased to see it get over the line, was Emanate. Now, um, did, did you catch any of the Sydney races, mate? What did you What did you make of Emanate's big performance up there? Uh, I did watch the replay for Emanate, and, yeah, dominant last 200, and the horse has gone from, I mean, I don't know how comfortable you were, in the run, but you know, it's amazing how horses go from you know, are they going to win to all of a sudden, last 200, they just explode away, and that's what happens here. Dominant win, and the horse is worth following again. Yeah, I think so. Just the way it won is impressive. And you're right, at about the 250, it just needed to get off heels and find some running, but once it did, it put them away like a really good horse. So it's in my definitely in my horses to follow category emanate and just another example of a godolphin horse up there with a with a lot of uh spruik and obviously a, a lot of uh, capability as well so there was a couple other good wins up there in sydney but one i was a little bit disappointed with and you might you might even call it my should have sacked it for the week is an old favorite of ours uh positive peace who um start, ended up starting about three dollars seventy in race four but just never looked like it was a shot in that race. I think Sapina ended up winning it, and I think I got seduced a little bit by the fact that it does handle those conditions really well, but I just don't think it's ever been a first-up horse, and I think perhaps could have just let it go around this time and had another look next time. Yeah, positive piece is uh, one that I got on last year. This time last year, she won, let's count, um, I think it was about six and a, five in a row, and she went from a benchmark 70 to winning a Group 2 on a soft seven track. So in the, in the spring, she had to run against the top-class opposition, and she did manage to to win a Group 3 race deep in the prep. So I just think... No, I don't think she's up to the group company, even though she's won a Group 2 and a Group 3 now. I just think last year she was in form, and she's, yeah, she's got that Group 2 win, but I just think she was overrated based on the conditions of the track, and... Yeah, I just think it's yeah, it's going to be tough for her because because she's won, got that group two win. She's got to run up to this level now. Yes. And last prep, you know, she's last run. She was in the group two hot daily. She was a two dollar eighty chance, and she's got beaten two lengths by horses like Sabatiano, which is on a different level to her. I would say. Yeah, look, she's got a rating of one hundred and five at the moment, so can't run in those benchmark races anymore, as you you mentioned. So this is a level now. And, I think you'll probably find a couple of runs in her prep she'll do really well. I just think first up, maybe even second up, she just takes a couple of runs to get into her preparation. I thought a little bit over bet yesterday and I got snookered in because I do like the horse and it's obviously brought us some good wins in the past. But uh, that was my should have sacked it, I guess, for the weekend. Big V, are there any that you were disappointed to get on? Oh, not so much up in Sydney. Um, I just was just watching and learning because of the track conditions. They were expecting a downpour Friday and Saturday, which never came, and the the Bureau got it wrong again. You know, thank goodness that they're not punters because you know, they, they can't get it right. So the track was actually, I think, dried out to maybe a borderline soft six. So I just wanted to, to watch and learn. 
I thought the New Zealand force was outstanding. Yeah. Aegon, hard to beat in the Randwick Guineas. I'd also like to see on the dry track his prime start, but I don't think he can turn the tables on Aegon in the Randwick Guineas. So maybe after the Randwick Guineas, be good to see, you know, if he can find a, a winnable race. So prime start on a good track I'd like to follow. You know, Pouts, I thought, was a disappointment. You know, no excuses, you know, on speed, conditions to suit. I thought it was a disappointment. And North Pacific looks like he's back on track. But again, I don't think these horses can beat Avon in the Rand Guineas. It's all about whether afterwards, you know, finding the right race. Yeah, Aegon looks to be a special one, doesn't it? it uh, that was a very dominant win, and I was—I gave North North Pacific another chance. I was on it first up, didn't wasn't overly impressed, but yeah, I think it did come back to some pretty good form, running a nice second there yesterday as well. But um, just looking forward, Big V, this week uh, we've got the Australia Guineas, and I'm keen to get your thoughts about that race. We're only a few days away right now, really. Um, We've got a couple, the favourites, obviously, Tagaloa, after its dominant win last week, and, and likewise, Zoo Dancer. But I am understanding that you might be on one of the rougher horses in this one. Yeah, I'm keen on Acer. I reckon the winner will come from Acer or Tagaloa. I think they should be closer to the market. I think Acer is now... Um, people probably start overlooking him because he's a bit of a non-winner, but... He's, he's, he ran second in the Caulfield Guineas behind Ollie Kirk. Goes up to sixteen hundred. Blinkers go on. I think the Blinkers went on him for the Caulfield Guineas as well. So I think he's going to be a great Australian Guineas chance. And I think he and Tagaloa, they were they ran in a pretty fast CS Hay Stakes so on the speed. So the back markers in that race were entitled to run on and finish closer to to those two horses. So I think they're the, they're the two to to beat. I think Mwanga will probably bypass the Australian Guineas and go to the Randwick Guineas. And then you're looking at horses like uh, Don to Shoot, Cherry Tortoni. You know, I think maybe at 1,600, they're probably not going to beat Tagaloa and Asar. I think Cherry Tortoni might be one to look at for the 2040-metre race at, at the Valley. Mate, I'm very glad to hear you talking about a horse at about $13. That's a, that's a good little spruik, I reckon, and I don't mind that. Asar, it's a very consistent horse. I'm just a little bit worried about it. It hasn't won in a while. Um, doesn't mind a, uh, coming second, the old Asar, and a, it's a couple in a row now where it's run second. So hopefully it's you know switched on, it's got its mind on the job, and it has that will to win because sometimes when they can finish second over and over again, you start to question that. But as you say, $13, Asar... That's not a bad price, particularly at this stage. So if you, if you are a fan of the horse, and it sounds like you are, I'd be jumping on as quickly as possible, mate. It was $13 on the Saturday. I'm looking at a market now where he's $9, and I think that's more to do with Ollie Kirk and Crosshaven not running as well in the Futurity and whether they're going to run in the in the Australian Guineas now. Uh, so he's tied up to $9, but even with final field, you know, I'd be happy with you know, $6, 7 $8. I think he's... A great each way chance, and you know, I think that this has been the target for him. So it doesn't concern me if he hadn't won first up, second up. I think the Australian Guineas was the the grand final for this horse, and Blinkers go on. Uh, it's it's a horse I haven't backed, but I think I'm I'm ready to step in and back him for the Guineas. Yep, that's a good each way bet, Big V. I'm looking forward to uh, 
maybe taking a little bit of that myself uh, on Saturday. Now, Big V, I wanted to talk to you about something, mate. It's been uh, an issue that a few of our listeners have raised, and I, I know we've had discussions about it as well, but can you just run us through the lay bet? There's a lot of this talk with these you tipsters in the Herald Sun and other forums always laying horses. I think a few of the uh, more uh, a few of the, the tipsters around were laying entire yesterday and were, would be thinking they've done pretty well for themselves. But what is the point of putting a lay bet on? <laughs> you still got to you still got to find the winner, Big V, and just laying the favourite doesn't help anyone, I don't think. And you can't actually put a lay bet on with a sport with a bookmaker anyway these days, unless you have a betfair account. So, can you just run the listeners through how a lay bet works, why tipsters continue to to give lay bets, and how punters can actually take advantage of that? Well, I think essentially, when, when a tipster or a bookmaker is saying this is the lay of the day, it's the horse they think can't win, or a favourite that they think can't win. But unless you're having a bet on Betfair, I mean, it's, having a lay of the day, it seems pretty pointless from a bookmaker's perspective. So if you're, if you're going to lay a horse to win, you, you do it on Betfair, and if, if you don't think Entha was going to win, and it's gone into about 2.30, 2.40, you could be bold enough and say, no, I'm going to offer, you know, $283 that this horse can't win. So you're playing the bookmaker. Whereas when you see you know, these corporates saying, this is the lay of the day, that we're going to lay this horse, well, they're not really laying the horse. It's not like the bookmakers have evolved on course where they if, they, if they've got a firm view a horse can't win, they'll offer you good odds. And it doesn't matter how much money they're getting, they're willing to take on that horse and they'll just keep taking your money at a premium price. But we saw with... Enter, you know, it got out to $3 on the TAB and there was 280 around the other corporates. But once people start backing it, it comes into 230 240 come the jump. But if a corporate bookie was serious about that horse being a lay, put up 280 $3 and just keep taking the punter's money. But they don't do that. Now, I don't know how they operate. You know, I think they operate on algorithms and that type of thing in computer models. And when money starts coming for a horse, they all come in. So there's no such thing as lay betting in terms of the corporates. But when it comes to Betfair, you can set a price that you want and just take people's bets. Yeah, mate, I just think the tipsters need to, to, to gather around and, and agree not to bother with lay bets. If you're laying entire yesterday, that's great. But there's 13 other horses in the race. It really doesn't get us too much closer to the winner. So, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, essentially a lay bet, when you say this is a lay, it's a horse that you think, it's a favourite that you think is under the odds and can't win. So, but the only way you can lay a horse is on, on Betfair. Yeah, well, maybe um, yeah, some of the corporates will have a think about that. I, I suspect there's reasons they don't allow that bet. Yeah, it's just been something that's bugging me and certainly uh, something that's been part of conversations that I've had and, and as well as listener questions. So thanks for running us through that, Big V. I think that's cleared up that for a lot of our listeners. Now, mate, just finally, I want to touch on Horses to Follow. This is our first podcast of the Autumn Carnival and we want to be set up for some of the bigger races moving forward. So I'm keen to know, perhaps based not just on yesterday, but the last couple of weeks, if there's any horses you're really keen to follow into this uh, autumn. Oh, you got me on the past couple of weeks. I haven't jotted a list down. But one that comes to mind, maybe Colding 
next Saturday in the Chipping Gordon if we get a good track. Yep. He's had two, two runs on wet tracks. I haven't looked at the forecast yet for Sydney, but if we get a good track, I think he'll be a, a good bet. From the weekend, as mentioned before, shared ambition possibly for the Australian Cup and perfect jewel. And I thought of also that you were on yesterday, and I, I haven't mentioned that you did clean up <laughs> oh mate, you've taken me all this time. Fair income. I thought that's the first thing you'd mention. Um, but one horse that you did back at a good price was uh, Nimali beating Yao Dash, and I, I think he'll be better over over some ground as well. So there are three horses there for you, plus Colby. It's amazing sometimes, mate. You can spend you know a few hours looking all over the the Melbourne form and do all your analysis, and then take a couple pot shots in Sydney and do way better. So sometimes you can overthink it. And that definitely was the case for me yesterday with a couple of nice winners up in Sydney. But I thought you might mention a horse that's fast becoming one of your favourites, mate. Um, And it was also involved in a controversial dead heat. The winner of race one, Defibrillate. Another very nice win there. And I think I'd be interested to know... It's already won four on the trot and not sure where he goes I think there was some talk he might go to the Australian Cup but that might be a, a big step up you know if he goes to the Mornington Cup probably probably be short price again but I'd be sticking with it mate it looks like looks to be a good horse but look for me uh, I'm going to do an all-encompassing horses to follow I'm not against following some of these Western Australian Raiders again I think yesterday a lot of them were first up first race back in Melbourne I think we saw last in the spring last season that it did take them a couple runs to get going. So obviously Arcadia Queen ran really well. I wouldn't be jumping off Perfect Jewel. Celebrity Queen managed to, you know, hold on for a, that dead heat. And the only one that was really a little bit disappointing, I thought, on face value was Regal Power there in the last, which I, I don't think performed particularly well. But the other three are you can easily stick with, I think, moving forward. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Although I'm going to... I think we're going to be taking on each other in the All-Star Mile, you seem to be in the Arcadia Queen corner, and I'm jumping on, I thought you'd be on Probabil, and then now I'm going to be on the Probabil side. Well, mate, actually, I'll probably end up doing what I did yesterday and have a little bit on both, because, uh, interestingly, I actually have my vote in for the All-Star Mile for Probabil, so... Yeah, I've got a little bit. Of, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for both of those two horses, and we'll see how things pan out and how the field shapes up. But I think, as you say, if they're both sort of four dollars, and you don't know what you're going to get moving forward, you can probably make a play at both of them and still make a nice little profit on the day. So that's probably how I'll end up doing it, mate. But uh, yeah, I'm not certainly not jumping off Probabil. Well, mate, that's probably all we've got time for for our first uh, episode of the Shooter Back to Podcast in 2021. Uh, we've begun putting our best bets of the day, and I think we did pretty well yesterday on the at Shooter Back to Twitter handle, which you manage very nicely there, Big V, and, and retweet on a couple of your other platforms that you've got. Um, so please do come in with any questions and interact with us any way you can. Always good to hear from our listeners. And, yeah, Big V, a big autumn coming up. Looking forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to the guineas next week, and we'll chat about it again next week. Great, mate. Well, thanks, everyone, and thanks for listening. And as always, good luck on the punt.